Thank you for downloading this episode of the Football Purist Podcast. For more episodes, go to www.footballpurist.com and you can also find us at iTunes. We are back this week after picking up a crucial three points against West Brom, beating a Pulis managed side for the first time away from home. It was a bit of a sloppy game, and we know what type of uh, football Pulis sides tend to, to play. So winning both at Stoke and then uh, at the Hawthorns back-to-back in back-to-back weeks, that was huge uh, for a top-four race. So on this episode of the Talk On Podcast, we're going to review the West Brom match, discuss a couple of players who are in form right now, give our seat index ratings, and look ahead to the Palace match at the weekend. I'm your host, Joey Vishney, here in Chicago, and tonight I'm joined by Brian Painter in New York and Jeff Hallett in Orange County. Gentlemen, how are you doing tonight? Outstanding, Joey. How are you? Doing well. Doing well, Jeffrey. How are you? Feeling good. Feeling positive. How's yeah, that for finally. a little foreshadowing? Believe. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, every every result is is huge, obviously, from here until the end of the season, and and like I just said, you know, winning back to back, it's some of the trickiest places to go away from home and, and get three points. It, definitely a positive sign with the injuries that we have. Hopefully we get a couple of guys back. We might touch on that a little bit later, but let's just go ahead and, uh, before we get into the West Brom review, intro question. Um, looked at the Palace jerseys and just for some reason really liked them, uh, this season. For some reason, I don't know why, just really clean, really fresh. Their uh, sponsor looks good on it, so got me thinking. Who are your favorite three? What are your favorite three kits in the league right now that don't have the Liverpool badge on them? Could be away, could be home. Their third doesn't matter. Painter, what do you got? I know. I, I actually said this to you uh, earlier. I love the Palace uh, uh, home kit. I think it's great. But uh, if I had to pick one that's non-Palace, non-Liverpool, or pick a few, uh, I like the West Ham away kit. <clears throat> it's clean. It's crisp. Got the baby, Is that the baby blue, blue the, one, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's got the teal shorts with the white tops, um, and the and the teal piping and the burgundy piping, so um, around the neck and shoulder line. Dig that. <laughs> I know that sounded uh, a little too uh, engrossing, but uh, anyways, <laughs> <laughs> you and your piping. Yeah. Um, the Bournemouth away kit, I think, looks really slick, uh, all blue, and it's got like the blue stripes, and it's um, it's a strong kit. Uh, I'm a big fan of it, and then. Uh, the Man City home kit. I've always been a fa- uh, fan of the baby blue since I lived in San Diego. And when the, the San Diego Chargers uh, strap LT. on their powder blues, yeah, <laughs> strap on their powder blues, I, I, I always had a, an affection towards the Man City home kit. So those are my three. Ah, good shouts. What about you, uh, Jeffrey? What do you got, man? So I figured, Joey, you're going to say Spurs, but... Uh, I looked at it. I actually thought about it. I thought about it. Of course it. you did. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's in your answer somewhere. Yeah. It's three, right? So... If I'm forced to pick teams in the prem, I, I'm partial to Barcelona's third kit, just to throw that out there, a worldwide answer, the mint with the yeah, <laughs> piping, nice as you said, Painter. Yeah. Pretty cool. So I'll start with Boro's home kit. It's a deep red, kind of foreshadows what LFC's kit next year is going to look like, the home kit. So count me out on that one. And then for some odd reason, I've always liked Swansea's home kit. I like the yeah. white. It's clean yeah. with you know black borders, whatever. Uh, and then my third is I've been a fan of Sunderland's away kit. And got to tell you, none of this had anything to do with likelihood of these three teams being relegated or <laughs> teams left on schedule. 
this is a Liverpool pod after all. So that's true. Yeah, I got uh, those were those were good ones too. Yeah, I, I, Swansea is just a class, just all white, super nice. Love those ones um, every year. I got the the Bournemouth third kit. Uh, it's kind of like a little bit of our what are they t- technically called like toxic green or whatever it is our third kits. Uh, they, yep. theirs is kind of like the same color as that. It just looks really cool. I like that one. Um, I already said the palace ones, so I'll go with the Lester all reds this year are really nice. Uh, really, really nice. And then either you already said the West Brom one, they, they have a black and baby blue one. That's nice, but I'll go with the whole, the, uh, the black and orange one. That's a first looking kick. I, I like it. I like it. Ah. Ugh. It's <laughs> Halloween all all season long for you. Yeah, yeah. I don't, don't mind that at all. I like it, but I mean that is their color. You know, it is orange, so <laughs> you have to. Right. You know, every year you're gonna have to have that in your kit no matter what. So, um, yeah, those. There we go. There's some uh, non Liverpool ones, that, and I also was looking at the. There's obviously the leaked um, pictures of what the potential Liverpool kids could be next season. Half of them are fake. Probably all of them are fake. I mean, obviously, but you you never really know. Because uh, there have been a couple that have been leaked before that turn out to be the actual kit. Have you guys seen any of those? There was like a white and green one. Um, yeah, I like them. I think I, they look sharp. I do too. I, yeah. I especially the home one. I I, I really is the crest is awesome. The new crest that they yeah. uh, that they're gonna have is is, is fantastic, and um, I, I'm a big fan of. Uh, I, I liked all three of them to be honest with you. Yeah, hopefully that. I just I like it when, and I know you know. Uh, Jeffrey, you just kind of joked about it, uh, saying I was going to say Tottenham, but they tend to just have usually like plain kits. I, I'm more of like a, I like kind of the simple kits. I like the, you know, not too much going on or else it gets a little crazy. Um, but yeah, anyways, let's go ahead and move on. We got the West Brom review. So first off, Firmino, what a player. Just so happy to have him. God, just turned out to be, I think, who we thought we were going to be getting. Didn't think he might be playing as a striker, but. You know, whenever he's central, he just shows how crucial he is to this team. So, uh, Jeff, on that first goal, it was it was nice to uh, – we usually have that happen against us, those kind of ugly set-piece plays, and especially with the first ball being so terrible. It's just funny that Lucas got a flick on right there. So, nice nice to get one of those ones when usually we're the one conceding that type of goal. True. I was actually surprised to learn this was our third – you know, in terms of – Set-piece goals in the second half of the season, it feels like it's been a little anemic, right? Surprised to figure out we're third in the league uh, behind Chelsea and Burnley, tied with Bournemouth with five, uh, but it's a bit misleading because we got two penalties in that total. Yeah, and but, I think second balls in count on that as well, but yeah. Yeah, it is still, it's still a weird stat. You wouldn't think that, right? You're right. Right. Yeah, so the header off the second ball from Lucas, uh, awesome to see Dink Dink in and... Bobby's work up to that point was impressive. I know we're going to go a little deeper on him and his usual work rate, but I, I really think he has, he and Coutinho have just taken the leadership role with this team and driving this entire side towards a top four finish. And, you know, the header was yet another example of that on the road at the end of the first half. And the game changed clearly uh, into the second half as a result of it. So pretty awesome. Yeah, it was it was great and uh, funny to see Lucas get another assist. I think that's what two two assists for him now, 
Which, yeah, uh, is too. Wasn't there someone who came out and said that's what more than like Sane and uh, I don't know, a couple other like R- Ramsey, Sane, yeah, like a whole bunch of a list of people. Actually, that's his first multi assist a season since oh, uh, 2009 10. Hilarious. <laughs> that, isn't that crazy? Yeah, I love it. He's another kind of maligned player at the moment. I think, um, you know, once we start discussing the squad a little bit more, I think we should probably talk about Lucas a little bit because, you know, it's seemingly, you know, the odd game that he has a really good game in. Uh, a lot of the fans seem to want to change their mind and keep him and there's, you know, contract talks right now. So we'll get into that in just a little bit. But guys, it was it was just good to see Liverpool, like I'd said, when, when, when you can win away at Stoke and away at West Brom, typically two grounds where not just Liverpool, but any team has a lot of trouble going and playing at and, and picking up three points. Painter, it was just critical that, that we kind of played a little sloppy and just saw out the wind. You, you know, I don't want to say, oh, you know, does this mean we can, we found the way, we found the formula to beat these types of teams. But you got to admit, I mean, these past two games, no matter how we picked up the three points, you know, they're both pretty ugly games, but we just seem to do it. Yeah. At this point in the season, it doesn't matter how. It just it just matters how many. And uh, it's another three points. You knew it was going to be a dogfight coming up against a, a Pula side. Obviously, we haven't had the best of record. Um, I don't think we've ever <clears throat> won away against Tony Pulis uh, yeah. since he's been coaching in the league. So... You knew what kind of game it was going to be. The team absolutely stepped up, um, played Pulis ball on Pulis uh, for, you know, they were winning the headers. They were winning their individual battles. You, you have to like the grit and determination. The side that, you know, we were up against is much bigger, much more physical than us. But we didn't back down and we got stuck in uh, and played really, really strong in the air. I think we won most of, you know, the majority of the aerial duels that we needed to. Emery Jean, uh, I think, you know, won, won six out of nine of his aerial duels. So again, I, I look at that because that's, that's kind of Pulis's trademark, right? He's gonna, he's gonna lump it long. He's going to get physical. I mean, <clears throat> I heard a stat on, uh, on the Anfield Index podcast, the Under Pressure podcast. This was the first time that West Brom has thrown uh, has done thrown it, throw ins long. So if you look at any of their past games, they've never tried to throw the ball into the box from the sideline. Of this course, the when first... the Reds come in, they, they're yeah, just like, exactly. Okay, so <laughs> it's exact. And, and God forbid they actually get it into the box because those throw ins were absolutely atrocious. <laughs> but, but for the most part, that was the first time that Tony Pulis, uh, and West Brom have ever tried to go long on their throw ins, uh, down in the offensive third. So, uh, you knew what kind of game it was going to be. The Reds gutted it out. It didn't matter how they gutted it out. They just did it. Uh, and I was so impressed with the determination. And you can really see that the team is fighting for one another, which is something you could argue under Rodgers uh, and in past managers. You know, when we came up against these tough scraps, it, the team wasn't always up for it. And you can totally see with these last two games at Stoke and West Brom that the team is up for a physical battle. They're up to win their, uh, get stuck in and win those battles. And I, you just have to be impressed all the way around with the side. I don't, I don't think it, it was never going to be a pretty game. So we had to win ugly. Uh, we won it ugly. Uh, does that mean we're going to win ugly against, you know, the rest of the lower end sides that we have to play against? No, but, 
Um, I think this team is starting to believe that they can get over the line, you know, against these uh, more physical sides that are going to play, you know, pack it in and hit the ball long. Sure. And, you know, just like you said, you pick them up any way you can, especially with only a, what, a handful of games left until the end of the season. Five magical games. Five magical games. (laughs) It's, uh, oh, it's, it's definitely a stressful time as always for Liverpool fans, but I mean, this this top four race is heating up a little bit. You know, Arsenal and you just picked up points, crucial points for them to stay in the race. So it is not over yet, but it, I would say at this point in time, it, it seems like it's in Liverpool's hands. So, uh, Painter, really quick, before I move on to a couple other players, you had mentioned something to the, the group earlier, uh, just the other teams playing each other. Um, you want to just mention that a little bit and, and um, kind of how Liverpool stack up, just so we can remind everyone kind of what, you know, the top six teams, if who they're playing again, and, and just basically what you, you had mentioned earlier. Yeah, I mean, on last week's pod, I kind of went through, um, I went through the, you know, the, the remaining games and the remaining fixtures and the, the reverse points that they got in those fixtures. And obviously, uh, if everything played out that way, Liverpool uh, would have came third or uh, would come third. Um, this morning I did a little more analysis. Yeah, that one. And yeah, and, and I, and I looked at what is Arsenal and United need to do to catch us. And so Arsenal sits on 57 points with seven to play. So if they run the table, they're going to get 21 points, um, from those seven games, uh, or a total of 78 points. That would mean though that they would beat United in one of those seven games. Right. So. That said, United sit on 60 points with seven to play. Uh, and if they're going to lose to Arsenal and six out of, so they win the remaining six out of seven, they get 18 points and they land on 78 points. So if Liverpool run the table, uh, with their five remaining play, they sit on 66 points and that would put them on 81 points and in third place. Now, what's interesting is City sit on 64 with six to play, but one of their games is against United. So one of those two teams is going to have to drop points in that game. And if United pick up the points, then Liverpool would finish, if they ran the table again, uh, Liverpool would finish ahead of City. Um, and if City pick up points against United, it just makes our run in that much more easy. So Exactly. Realistically, if we take care of business and, you know, for the most part, we we win four out of the last five, we should be Champions League bound uh, in a top four spot, if not a, a top three spot. And Leicester just lost today officially to Atletico Madrid. So uh, there is definitely that fourth spot is now for sure a Champions League spot. So I, I do agree with you. I think we can finish third, especially if I can see City dropping some points as well. So you know, every game, every, every week is just going to be just fist clenching, grinding teeth. It's going to be, it's going to be a a tough road to the end, but it does seem like you had just explained it. It seems like it's in Liverpool's hand, but, um, and I think that, and I think that's why I, I think that's why the team is, I don't know. I just think they have a belief that they're going to get there. Um, you can just see it with how much they're putting into the, you know, into the West Brom game, into the Stoke game, how they're grinding out results. Um, you know, so it's it's exciting to see, and I, and hopefully they they can keep continue this run of form and uh, and fire us all the way into the Champions League next season where we belong. Yeah, absolutely. Let's hope so because we want one of those 
we don't want another summer where we just keep getting linked to these players, but they don't choose us because we don't have Champions League football. You know, it's nice to obviously have, we have Liverpool, the history and tradition. We have the club, we have Klopp, but again, it's, it's that Champions League football that's really going to get you that top tier of players and, and uh, hopefully no more memes anymore in Liverpool will actually pick up one of these guys. So, Jeffrey, before we move on from the game, uh, a couple missed chances. There was the Chadley had that chance that he should have finished. Canoe had that chance. But two from Liverpool's and the, the Milner chance and the Moreno chance. Oh, <laughs> I mean, two of those that should have been in the back of the net. So this is the comic relief section of the pod. So, yeah, I mean, it put Moreno in the category he belongs. He's gone from sympathetic character to tragic figure it's like poor guy just can't catch a break and missed one two three people on left and right side of him respectively between Sturridge Jean and god who was it out wide um anyway so Moreno is what it is um the missed Milner chance I mean that would have been his first open play goal all year that wasn't part of a pen so that maybe he's out of form he's just not used to being that open and you know, obviously misplaced the ball. So that was unfortunate, but, and there was plenty of other, I mean, Bobby missed one just wide of the goal by yep. an inch or two within the first uh, 10 minutes, I think. Yeah. Right. Right before the, the header, of course, but you know, it didn't stop him from working and there were plenty of chances created. Genie, even at the end, a la what Marino pulled, um, there was another open goal and he couldn't get it over to storage, but it's fine. Uh, you know, plenty of chances created, which equals especially away a win. Yeah, I mean, it's both of our left backs missed chances in that game. Uh, it's I just I think I have a bias towards Moreno. I just I love the guy so much, and I actually I didn't really mind him shooting that, especially because I thought Sturge was offside. But Painter, did you? I mean, it it definitely was frustrating that he missed it. And if he did take maybe a little bit more time, maybe could have uh, could have assessed his options, wait for Sturge to get back on. But when it's an empty goal, I mean, for him, you know, it's just it's, that's what's on his mind, you know. Well, I so I think I have a different perspective on the the whole Moreno uh, situation. He, I know he's getting slated for missing that open goal and not passing it to Sturge, but. It's tough for him to tell whether Sturge is on sides uh, in that movement. You know, he's running a million miles a second. I thought, you know, all the work he did up until the shot was absolutely spot on. He had right? the tackle. He, he had the tackle. Um, he dribbled a guy, and then he got himself free in the space. Uh, any professional in that situation, nine times out of ten, is going to take a shot. Uh, and I don't fault him for the shot. He missed it by inches. Imagine you know, if he had made it too, you know? Yeah. How crazy I, everyone would have gone. Yeah, so I I think he did all the hard parts of that movement um and that, that run right, except for that last bit. And I, I can't really fault him for it. Uh and again, I thought he played uh when he came on, I thought he played very well. And I so I can't really fault him uh for that. But I but I can't fault Milner for that horrific, you know expected goal. I, I thought, thought that was he was going to head that in. He, I thought he, he should have had it. I thought he was going to keep running and just smash it in the back of his net of the net with his head. I thought he had that much time, but I mean, listen, I, I love Albie too, but I mean, they both definitely should have buried those chances. And I, and you know, when you're going against teams that are going to set up the way that, that West Brom do, you got to bury those. So oh, you, you can't, you can't, yeah, you can't not make those. I mean, especially if you're 
such a seasoned professional like Milner, uh, he's got to put his head through that. He he was on this. It looked like he was undecided in that movement, whether he wanted to, you know, jump up and try and kick it or whether what he was trying, what body part he was trying to hit it with. But man, if he would have just kept running and just dove and headed the ball, he would have blistered the back of the net with it. Uh, I'm sure he's kicking himself in the ass for for not to, taking that chance. And you know, arguably on another day that could have cost us uh, three points in the in the victory. But you know, fortunately for us, it didn't. Uh, we got over the line. You know, one zero with a clean sheet. I'm sure we'll come on to that in a second. But uh, yeah, he he missed a golden chance to to take us uh, two you know two points or two clear of West Brom. Yeah, you, Painter, you actually predicted the 1-0 win, and I thought you were absolutely fucking crazy. <laughs> um, so did I. <laughs> so did I. I. I thought you were crazy, and uh, I mean, just can't believe it happened. Can't believe we had a clean sheet. Uh, very unlikely. But part of that, uh, you guys, uh, Mr. Optimism, you guys know I am absolutely Mr. Positivity when it comes to Liverpool, so I'll go ahead and move on <laughs> to those <laughs> more positive topics. Uh Minula All the talk us. on listeners, this is your chance to drink. It's a drinking game. When he says yeah. he's the opposite, you drink. Well, I got, I'll go ahead and take a drink of my, my G&T right now. Then go ahead. Right. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so Minulay. Yeah, Minulay helped us secure that three points. Um, you could have argued that Phillips should have buried that chance, but he it was a nice kick save. Um, he's, he's been in form lately, Jeff. Um, I mean, he's had some nice punches. Uh, I still think like his save percentage isn't at kind of an elite level um, comparatively to the other goalkeepers in the league. I, I think he's actually a significant amount behind. He did go through that stretch where it seemed like every goal that was on target was was in. Um, but it, it seems, Jeff, like the, like competition, the, the fact that he has Karius now, who's actually a real challenger versus, you know, like a Bogdan or or um, a Jones in, in all respect, it, it, it just – it seems like it's really helped him step his game up, knowing that someone can take a spot at any time. Um, is, is it that? Has he turned a corner? Is he learning? Is he growing as a keeper? Or is this just another, you know, he'll have a couple good games and then he'll have a couple of stinkers? You know, is it just his inconsistent self? So where where do you stand kind of with Mignolet, um as he continues to improve himself? I know we talked a little bit about it last week, but um, he, he came out with another strong performance this week. Yeah, so I would go with D, all the above. So first of all, if you're looking for a development coach, you want to see signs that he's getting the most out of the players on the pitch. And I think Klopp, you know, obviously he's cut in that sort of cloth. So this is yet another proof point that he is a development manager and a staff have done a good job. The competition certainly plays into it. He's To your point, Joey, he's never had, and I've been saying this week to week on all, all the pods, that he just hasn't had legitimate competition. And in his case, he lost his job early in the season, didn't feel like it was legitimate, and had to fight his way back. And he knows full well that he's not Klopp's number one choice. Klopp bought Karius to come in and be the number one keeper out of lack of confidence for Minula, even though he signed a new five-year agreement, fine. So it's the competition, it's the coaching, it's, I think, to Painter's point earlier about all of this starting to come together, this mini compact season where every game feels like a cup final. Players are taking it that way. I think you've got leadership that starts with Firmino and Coutinho, and it cascades through all of the players. Mignolet's stepped up his game. I think we're getting the best out of Mignolet that we could expect at this point in the season. 
you know, he's spent a lot of time in this pod talking about sample size and good and bad Mignolet. We really haven't seen bad Mignolet in a while, and it's a good time to be knocking wood. <laughs> but we're getting the most out of the player, and yeah, you know, Jesus, it's yeah, don't don't jinx him, man. No shit. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, thank you. Do it again. Um, but obviously, we wouldn't get this level of productivity out of Carius at this point, right? He's been out. Uh, you saw him earlier in the season, so he's not ready. And we're getting the most out of Minile. So that that's big ups to Klopp, big ups to Minile himself following the coaching. I mean, his ability to get off the line, punch the ball. I mean, it was like a totally different Minile in this one for me. Yeah. Painter, it's clearly been his best season for us to date. Uh, if, if you like, you know, it actually seems for the first time like he might be saving us some points. He, he does cost us some, but... It used to seem like he had like a negative plus minus, and now it seems like he's maybe gone even. Uh, I think we we know that we need to upgrade on him, but in, you know, in terms of just this season, is it is that a confidence thing for him now? Do you see him, you know, growing in confidence at all? Do you think that plays a part in his game? Well, I think Minulay has saved us six points in the last two games. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, Stoke should have beaten us uh, with the amount of open shots they had on that. And this last game, you know, he saved, if not, well, I mean, arguably he saved a draw. So you could argue he saved us four points as opposed to six, but, um, but he definitely won us points, which is, which is what you want to see out of your keeper at this time of year, uh, especially with so much at stake. I think what's I've been most impressed with is his commanding of the box over the last month. Uh, he looks so much more assured when he comes for balls. Uh, he's punching the ball, and it's going out of the area. It's going a long ways. He's getting up for him. He's timing him well. That's something he, I haven't seen out of him for the majority of his Liverpool career. And if he gets that right, uh, you know, he's going to be a very good keeper for Liverpool. And, you know, his kicking's never going to get better. Like it just is what it is. And he's just not a good, he's just not good at kicking the ball. And you know, you got, there's, there's faults with every goalkeeper that's not named David DeHay and Manuel Neuer. So, you know, you, you got to kind of look at that and say, that's his, that's his default, uh, his fault. But if he keeps punching and coming out and making big saves when he's called upon, you know, you gotta, you gotta argue that, you know, he's a, he's a top six goalkeeper without a question. And, you know, if he continues this form to the end of the season, I think, you know, like I said last week, I think Klopp's got a real, real tough call on his hand because I don't see Liverpool going out and spending 30 million plus on a goalkeeper in the summer. I just don't see it. So I, I think he's been playing great. Uh, he's certainly winning his points and his confidence looks like it's going through the roof. I think when he came off at Stoke in the, in the, and the players giving him a standing ovation when he came into the locker room. I think this last week, you know, he was one of the first people to go run over and uh, hug Klopp. I really think that he's coming into his own this this last part of the season. So I'm excited to see what comes uh, here over the next five games because I really think he's got, you know, the wind behind his sails and he's he's playing some of his best football that he's played in his career. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely on the fence with him. Uh, I agree with what both you guys said. I just – it seems to me like it's up and down with his confidence all the time. And as a goalkeeper, I think that's one of the positions on the field, maybe the most important 
maybe aside from striker to, to just have bundles of confidence. Like you just need to believe that you're the guy who's going to command the box. And yes, I've seen that more of him. Like you'd mentioned lately. Uh, it, it's been nice to see. It's, it's hard for me to necessarily slate him right now. I do think though, like he wouldn't have, he made a big save. He wouldn't have needed to, that wouldn't have been such an important save if we had a couple players finish their chances as well. So, but yeah, I mean, it, it's an interesting situation going into next year. I've, been on the carious train in terms of like, I don't want him to start every game. I just, I want to see what he is. We've, you know, we've seen what he can be in the Bundesliga, but he's still growing as a goalkeeper. And I can't, I don't fault Klopp for not playing him because of how Minule has been playing. But I just, I think I've just seen enough of Minule. And that's not to say that he can't change because he is, he had, I mean, he clearly has in the past, you know, couple months, but. I don't think that's enough to, to make me believe that he should be the number one goalkeeper. I agree with you, Painter, that we, we're not going to go out. It's it's not it's not that we don't need to upgrade. It's just that it's not like number one, two, or three on our list of positions that we desperately need right now. And so unless like De Gea goes to Madrid and Nikola Navas becomes available for like $20 million or something, I don't see us making a move uh, necessarily for goalkeeper. Shouts... Especially Joe or Jamie Carragher for Joe Hart is just, it's stupid. I think he's had what seven or eight goals or errors leading to goals this season. He's just, anyone who thinks we should get Joe Hart, that just let that go. But I think if we go into next season with this goalkeeper situation, because we're going to have more games and be in more competitions, especially the Champions League, I wouldn't necessarily mind seeing it because I know that Carrius will get games and you know, maybe he steps up and performs to hopefully what Klopp thought he would be when he buys him, you know, after a couple of months of, of getting continuous games in a competition. Um, and, and then he takes that number one spot. So, um, you know, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens. But I, you can only really praise the guy right now um, just for his form. So um, let's go ahead and move on, gentlemen. Um, someone else, you know, we, we could talk about Firmino, uh, but I think we're all in agreement that he's just been excellent for us. And, you know, really there's not too much to, to talk about. Um, everybody knows what he means to this team, but I think Emre Chan needs to be, you know, spoken about a little bit more and you can sort of tie Lucas into this too, because they play the same position uh, most of the time. Um, but it seems like, especially with Lucas going out the door, that we could potentially have a center defensive midfield sort of pairing, I guess, like a, a, not pairing in the same 11, but like a, a rotation of, of Emre and Hendo, however we want to put them, uh, which means Lucas could probably go out the door. So, Jeff, a little bit about Emre's form, and then we'll go ahead and get into Lucas since we'll be on the same topic of that, of that position. Sure. Uh, he's we've been saying this for a number of weeks he's really earning that next contract what we're staring at right now so he wants to be paid higher wages double his wages and stay with the team long term his performance right now is proving that he's the quality of player that deserves it and yeah he's all over the pitch 18 yard box 18 yard box it's what a lot of us have been looking for uh, consistently throughout the season, and he's putting it all together clearly, and that spine between he, Wijnaldum, the link-up play through the middle as we add pieces, Liverpool fortunate enough to achieve top four, get the right center defensive men in, plus all the other pieces to the team, that spine is just going to benefit us huge, and 
you know, we've we've spent multiple pods talking about how great Wijnaldum is. Um, the pairing of the two together, uh, Wijnaldum's ability to hold the ball, especially late in this one, certainly helped us. I'm sure we'll spend more time on that, too. So between the two of them, they need to be together. They work perfectly together. I, I think that's the future of the club. Yeah, let's hope so. I mean, they they definitely looked excellent together, and I would like to see them in a pivot if we go four two three one next season. But Painter, um, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about Lucas. And if you want to touch on Emery Chan, you're more than welcome to. But um, he's in a situation right now where he's had a couple of good games for us, and the fans seem to want him to stay. He, he's definitely going to go in and talk about his contract. Um, you know, after the season ends and, and see, you know, I'm sure Klopp will tell him, hey, you know, I can try and get you games, but chances are, you know, we're just going to need to move on with some of the younger talent until Lucas might be off. Uh, where do you sit with Lucas? Do you think he needs to stay? Do you think, you know, he might be the type of guy that even if Klopp says, hey, you know, I can, I can find you a, a certain amount of games that he'd be willing to stay? And bear in mind, Chase is listening to this pod. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't want to piss Chase off. Chase's answer was just, yeah, no, no, he's staying. He's staying. Uh, he's going to be our starting center defensive mid. Yeah, um, I, I, like, I love Lucas um, as a person, as an individual, as an ambassador to the club. Uh, at <clears throat> at thirty years old, though, if he wants to have another big contract, because I don't think Liverpool, you know, he's out of contract in the summer, right? So he can go on a free, if I'm not mistaken. So if he wants to have one more big contract, he's going to have to move on because I don't think Liverpool are going to shell out big bucks or at least keep him on the money that he's been on for the amount of games that he's playing. So, you know, has he been playing well in the last couple games? Yeah, sure he has. Uh, but he's also been playing against, you know, sides that are better suited toward, uh, to what he does well, which is, you know, be defensively sound, win the ball in the air, be physical, um, doesn't have a ton of pace in either side uh, that he has to contend with. So um, I think a lot of it, too, is going to have depend on, you know, what if we're playing European football and we're going to be playing one of Europa or Champions League, knock on wood, Champions League. But there's an argument to be made that he can cover multiple positions for us, right? So he can cover the central defensive midfield like he has been the last couple of games. He can then move back into uh, our injury-prone center half situation that always seems to come up every year. I, you know, plus he knits the Brazilian crew together uh, in, as far as leadership goes. So there's an argument for us to keep him. I just don't think he's going to want to stay. Uh, you know, at 30 years old, I think he's seeing one big contract left in his uh, his playing days before he hangs him up. So I I think if he wants to play week in, week out and wants to make the type of wages uh, before he hangs him up, he's going to have to move on. But I'd be happy to have him in the side uh, next season. Uh, I would be happy to have him go to West Brom, you know, after on a Saturday or on a, on a Saturday after we play a Champions League game on a Wednesday and be in the central defensive midfield role. So um, I thought he played excellent. Uh, definitely, definitely some of his better football uh, over, you know, over the season. So I thought he played excellent. Uh, I hope it continues because we're probably going to need him <laughs> um, to keep playing that way. Cause I don't know, you know, when Hendo is going to be back. And even if he comes back, what type of shape he's going to be in. He's been out over a month. Um, so, uh, you know, we're going to need him down the stretch, and I hope he continues to play. And then, you know, obviously we'll see what the cards are dealt 
over the summer, whether we keep him or whether uh, he moves on. So, but I thought he was excellent uh, at the weekend. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I think that he probably shouldn't be near the first eleven unless it's something like you just mentioned, where you know, hopefully, we, like you said, knock on wood, we get Champions League, and it's it's like one of those scenarios that you just you mentioned. Uh, I love the guy. I think we'd all agree we'd love to have him back at the club. You know, as some type of ambassador, type of role, whatever that may be. Um, love to see him back here, but I think for his own sake, like I'd love to be able to see Lucas just go and get a run of games and not necessarily prove himself, but just maybe continue to establish himself as a competent player, you know, as, as someone who can help a side out with a specific skill set. So, um, wherever that would be, uh, you know, whether it's mid table, a Premier League side, if he wants to stay in England, or, or maybe he decides to go, you know, I don't know, some, uh, some, another random league or, you know, maybe even decides to go back to Brazil. I don't think he's at that stage in his career yet, but, but maybe he does. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, who knows? Uh, but since you had just mentioned how, you know, he can cover a lot of positions for us and, and I think that that would be crucial before we, we move on to, uh, our seed index ratings, something that I, I just, I had to bring up guys, you're going to kill me, but I, I had to bring it up because, Simon Brundish posted a nice little thread. So since Klopp arrived, Liverpool have averaged 1.85 points per game. It's a 70-point season. When Lovren plays, uh, that's 1.25 goals conceded. When Lovren and Matip start, it's uh, we get two points per game, which is a 76-point season, and just under one goal conceded. So it seems like a solid partnership, right? Like when they've been playing, I think they're unbeaten together. So it, it looks right. positive. Then you get Matip without Lovren, 2.25 game, 2.25 points per game. It's an 86 point season. That's 10 more points. Um, and I know that some of these sample sizes may be a little bit smaller, but it's just something I wanted to throw out. And that, and that's 1.2 goals conceded per game. Matip and Klavan, it's very small sample size, but three points per game, 114 point season. Obviously, that's never going to happen. Obviously, you know, Klavan. Um, but I think it's <laughs> Lo- Lovren sans Matip. So Lovren without Matip. 1.7 points per game, 1.6 goals conceded a game, over a goal and a half conceded per game. I mean, that's just, and, and he is a 990. That's, a, that's, a, that's atrocious. Yeah, yeah 990 PDO too. And I know that, um, or a 900 PDO. And I know that, um, Brunish said like around like an 1100 is, is a really good level. So it's just, I hate bringing it up, but I just, I, I think it's because I see so much on Twitter about how many people just love Lovren and think he is, like an elite center back that it just continues to baffle me. And, and I think we can all agree once you give him like a small, simple set of skill, like simple instructions of things to do. And in certain games, he, he might be useful because of his aerial presence. Um, well, I, to that point, Joe, I mean, if you look at the weekend, right, Lucas, a lot of times was dropping in, uh, in the center. Of oh the yeah. Absolutely. Center half. I mean, it almost looked like a three at times in the back. And I think Lucas also, gives Lovren a lot less to think about because you know Lucas isn't going to be marauding down the field and, and leaving his, you know, leaving his post. So I think if you put a really strong central defensive midfield type of player that can get around the pitch uh, a little bit more mobile than Lucas, I think I think Lovren has a lot of the physical attributes you'd want in a center half. The, the, the challenge, like we've always said, isn't <clears> – <throat> isn't his physical attributes and, and his athleticism. It's really what's between his ears. Yeah. I mean, it's, 
like he like you had just mentioned, if there's so a good setup in front of him, yeah. I mean, if he has the setup like you had at Southampton, then of course he's going to succeed. You know, you got Juan Yama and Schneiderlin in front of you. But, um, you know, again, it's not me. Like, I, I, I wouldn't mind selling him if we can get like 20 million, 25 million for him. But also, I wouldn't mind having him as like fourth or fifth choice center back. I just, it's, this is just my weekly shout out to people that think, <laughs> that think he is, you know, an elite center back. It just, it bugs me. So let's just move on. Let's move on. Guys, I need your seat index ratings. Something that got you out of your seat, got you excited. Something that got you slouched in your seat that you did not want to see. Jeffrey. Hmm. Not used to going first. So I get my first choice. So everything that, that Firmino did in this match, right? So that starts with the almost chance in the 10th minute and then his ferocious pressing and winning the ball back. Uh, there was no one that was more all over the pitch, all over the ball than Firmino in this one. And it's been the case for ever since those Brazilians came back from national duty. Firmino, you could argue all years, the work rate has been high, but I think he's kicked it up even another notch or two for the balance of the mini season that we're stuck in and the cup finals that we treat each and every week as. So, yeah, it's got to be him. He delivered the goal at the end of the first half, totally changed the complexion of the game. And he's the work rate and all the pressing. It really tough to pick anyone but Firmino. So, yeah, that's my that's my positive. <laughs> then, of course, let's sandwich it in with some negative. Uh, negative has to be Moreno going from, again, the sympathetic character to the tragic figure. He just needs to be sold. And I appreciate your sentiment for him, Joey. You know, lots of respect, but not for the side. Yeah, I mean, if he probably, doesn't probably better in Spain. If he doesn't play, you know, when we set up with three at the back against Stoke, if he doesn't play as a left wing back, then I think that tells you everything, and that that he will be gone. I think for sure in the summer, unfortunately, it never worked out. But I mean, the anyway, fact that he just got minutes this past week tells was, you all you need to know. It was good to see at least. I was glad that he got. I glad that he got some minutes. And you know, if he scored, we had been we would have been going nuts for him. Um, but anyways, Painter, what do you what do you got as your positive and negative, man? <laughs> man, Moreno never catching a break. But uh, I thought he played all right uh, when he came on. So um, if that's any consolation, Moreno, if you're out there listening, but um, my positive. Well, I'll start with the negative side of things. Uh, you know, I thought I thought the lack of goals um, and the lack of offensive threat uh, continues to plague us uh, for the last couple games, uh, dating back to the Bournemouth game. Uh, I, we just don't look as nearly deadly in front of net, right? Uh, the finishing's gone. Now, the ones we are getting, you know, we are holding on and, and preserving victory, and I think a lot of that is due to, you know, our goalkeeper having two outstanding games, but... Um, I, I, I'm, I've been very disappointed in, you know, our attacking prowess, uh, over the last couple of games. And I think if we don't get a few more goals, uh, coming down the stretch, it could end up costing us. So that's my negative. My positive, my positive is actually, uh, the West Brom goalkeeper, Fraser Foster, uh, <laughs> crazy, getting, <laughs> dude, crazy. getting, uh, getting pulled and, uh, uh, no, everybody loves when the goalie gets pulled and runs up and over. I mean, it was just mental. I swear watching Pulis him. was pissed after that. I didn't Pulis say like he's never get done that, get, that and he didn't. Yeah. Want that. Yeah. 
Like, get your ass back. It's like, okay, I so you don't want to win the it. game then, Poolish? You, yeah. you don't want to tie the game then, Poolish? Like, what? I thought, I thought, I thought it was genius by Poolish at first. I was like, well, what the hell has he got to lose? He's either going to lose 2-0 or he's going to tie it up, right? right? So what the hell? Throw the extra attacker on up front. But, uh, I thought it was absolutely awesome. Um, and I got me out of the, my seat for, for the last 10 to 15 minutes of what turned out to be an absolutely mental last 10 or 15 minutes. So I absolutely loved it. Got me out of my seat, buddy. Yeah. Those, uh, God, these these past two games are crucial. That's that's my positive. Just um, finding a way to to pick up six points. I think you know how negative I can be before the Stoke game, and even at half at Stoke because I just it was one of the worst halves I, I've seen us play. It, it just it really seemed like we weren't up for the challenge, and, and somehow s- scraping six points out of out of that out of those two games just. It really helps with the belief and thinking that top four actually is possible this year. And I hate to be the guy to be like, oh, you know, we're somewhat celebrating top four. We shouldn't have to be doing that, especially with, you know, how Liverpool have been um, historically. But I mean, listen, it's we have, it's not that we haven't spent a lot because we have. We obviously haven't competed with the likes of some of the bigger clubs, but I think we've we've not spent well and Klopp comes in and he looks at the players that he wants. You know, Genie was kind of a head scratcher and he turns out to be amazing for us. Mane, not a head scratcher, but you know, for that price, people were freaking out a little bit and he's our player this season so far. So just, you know, being able to now, hopefully with these two wins, give me the belief that we can get champions league and therefore knowing that Klopp will spend wisely on a new type of player that we can get really, you know, gets me out of my seat. So, um, hoping that the next five games, I mean, hoping we can lock it down for the next couple, but it's going to be exciting at the end of the run um, of the season. And then um, my negative, what was my negative? Joey's struggling to find a negative. How's that? Because you, you, <laughs> usually it's like Minulay or something like that, right? Or, or Lovren or something. But, um, oh, okay. I, I remember it. Jesus, I remembered it. Fucking A. Um, so my negative is... Th- have been the the results for uh, this past week that that Arsenal and and Man U got Man U beating Chelsea two 0 pretty convincingly actually, uh, and and then Arsenal who at, at one point uh, were at a one one stalemate um, they ended up finding a way to win and I think if if Man U and and Arsenal had lost this past weekend it, it would have been anything but you know for us for locking up that top four spot so it just I guess that's my negative this week is just having that. Um, you know, uneasiness kind of towards the end of the season until we can hopefully get that spot. So guys, let's go ahead and move on. We have the, um, we have the Crystal Palace game this upcoming weekend. And luckily Crystal Palace will be without their best player because he technically (laughs) is our player. Um, Is our best defender? No. Yeah, no, technically our best defender too on the books, but, um, (laughs) Sokka won't be playing, which is huge. Could mean Martin Kelly fills in at center back. Um, I'm a big Kelly fan. I, when Sokko has been playing Jeff for the past, you know, what is it? Six games. They, I think they've only lost one and then they've been looking much, much stronger. So not having him in the lineup is going to be big for us, but they do have some threats. Obviously, Kabai is, is a very steady and, 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 you know, he's got a touch of class about him. And then, uh, Zaha has been excellent. Just, just excellent recently. And then obviously you have, you know, Big Ben who, who can make things happen. So, how are we going to need to win this game, Jeff? And, and, you know, of those threats, who do you see causing us the most problems? Yeah, 
So you call him Ben. I, I refer to him as my Ninja Turtle. <laughs> ben Teke. Love him. Um, so at first, let's look at the away form. So they the last five. They've lost one, won three, drawn one. So, yeah, to your point, Joey, pretty impressive run of form with Sako in. But looking at their away form, all you see is inconsistency. So you, they beat West Brom away. They beat Chelsea, obviously. Lost to Stoke, lost to Southampton pretty handily, 3-1. So you really don't know what to expect from them, and you know, it probably goes for usual away form for most clubs. But by no means do we have a guarantee of victory here coming to Anfield. And so Liverpool, historically, we've won the last two Premier League ties against Palace after going four without a victory, uh, draw, drew one, lost three. Palace, meanwhile, have lost, or excuse me, have won their last two visits to Anfield in the Premier League. So last one, last one to win three in a row was Chelsea in 05. Oof. So what are, what are the keys? Yeah, <laughs> rough year. Um, for that anyway. Um, their threats, just as you said, uh, Benteke, Kabai, you know, punching is always a threat from my perspective. Zaha's had a great year. And no, no, Sacco is a big deal. Um, so they're coming in in the usual 4-1-4-1, likely. It's all about strong midfield with Jean and Wijnaldum. I think that's going to make the difference. Uh, the pressing, not getting caught on counter. And maybe this renewed confidence that we get in the back from Mignolet, um, owning his penalty area, commanding the penalty area, plus Matip and Lovren that I think with chewing gum and toothpicks can probably string together a good five games or at least the majority of the five games to deliver top four. So I think that's how we win. We ride the Brazilians as they've been leading us the past few weeks and we have a strong spine and, you know, we see the run of form continue in the back. Yeah, let's hope so, right? I mean, kind of seems like we, we, we keep mentioning, but it's to, for good reason. I mean, we just, these Brazilians, we, we've got to kind of rely on them to, to put the ball in the back of the net for us. Um, but you know, who, who could maybe have a potential impact painter? Um, I think we're gonna have a strong bench. Um, you know, we're gonna have Sturridge on the bench and there's a potential chance that maybe Lolano um, and or Henderson could be on the bench. I think Lalana is more likely at this point, but uh, it's nice to see you know them hopefully coming back and, and maybe having a part in the last couple of games. I know that you know we've talked about Emre and, and Wijnaldum and how well they've been playing. Uh, you know, is if Lalana's healthy, do you bring him in? I still think personally we should yeah. be starting Sturridge. Uh, that's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of what do you see? Like, how do we need to beat Crystal Palace? Who do you think should be playing? I don't think he's going to change the side. Uh, he's got a week to prepare for him. Uh, Sacco's going to be out, which means Kelly, their only other recognized center half, because Scott Dan's been injured for yep. a good chunk of the season. I, I think he goes on change. I think he leaves Firmino, uh, Phil, and uh, Origi up top, and... I think the Chan Wijnaldum thing you don't touch because they're playing out of this world right now. And you got the two danger men for, for Palace, for us at least anyways, are going to be Zaha down the flank against Milner. Milner. Oh, yeah. That's um, going to be tough. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that's not going to be good. And then him serving balls into Benteke, uh, with his aerial presence, we all know it. Uh, he's played, you know, he played for us for a season. So I think, uh, those are the two danger areas. And I think you're going to have to keep Lovren 
and Matzah Bin just from a sheer physical size presence uh, point of view against Benteke. But uh, Zaha down that wing is is deadly. He's got nine assists on the season, uh, his best output of, of his career, along with six goals. Uh, so he's really starting to come into his own. He's only 24, uh, which again, he's yeah, United, it seems let him like, go. yeah, it seems like he's been in the league for, you know, for a lot longer than that. But, uh, um, but I think those guys are going to be our danger points that we're going to have to, to cover up. I'd almost, I'd almost think about, uh, you know, having, having some help for Milner, uh, maybe sliding. Genie over a little bit, uh, to shield Hendo, uh, or excuse me, shield Milner. I don't think Hendo or Lalana should come back in, uh, at all. They're not going to be ready for this. Uh, the team's playing well, uh, at least mentally, they're in a good spot, uh, a little more end product, but I think we're going to rip them open in the back. I, I just don't think that they have the center halves, uh, to deal with us up top, uh, given the Sacco's out and Dan's out. So, um, I think that's how we're going to have to get at them. Uh, long balls into Origi. Uh, long balls, not long balls into Origi, but, you know, the knockdown, uh, to Firmino and Coutinho playing off them. And then some, some quality finishing. We're at home. So, you know, we always play better at home. Uh, hopefully knock on wood. And, uh, it's going to be a tough game. They're fighting relegation, right? They're only, uh, I think they're only, you yeah, know, the thing with them points. is like they're seven, seven, what are they seven points off of relegation yeah, right now? It's I like think they're going into this game. I think Painter, where yes, they are still definitely fighting, um, but there isn't that like absolutely desperate feel to them, you know, where like this is a one hundred percent must win game because to an extent they're somewhat safe. Like I think if they pick up maybe you know a win or or definitely two wins will keep them safe but maybe like a win or a draw in the next five might even just do it so well they've got so their next game is against spurs right so i don't think older dice is going to do anything uh specific uh no he's not going to change anything up at all There's no he's gonna he's way. gonna say hey listen if we lose if we lose 4-0 at liverpool who cares if we lose 4-0 at spurs because after that we've got burnley at home um and then we've got hull city uh, to come as well. And we probably need at least four points out of those two games and we're safe. You know what I'm saying? So I don't think he's going to change anything. And I think if he takes his lumps in these next two games, uh, he's going to focus all his energy on, on beating Burnley and beating Hall. Um, I will say his run in, I mean, listen to Crystal Palace's run in. He's got Liverpool, Spurs, Burnley, City, Hall and United. <laughs> yeah, that's tough. I'd like to, I definitely like to see how the teams below him too, how, what their schedule looks like. Um, he's big Sam is big Sam, right? Like he's just going to do what he does. His team set up a certain way. He's the master at making sure teams don't get relegated. So I think they might have that belief in him too, that he might just get it done. So with all that being said, guys, I need, um, I need score predictions from you. Jeff, what do you got? We're at home. I would normally say 1-0 away. I would copy painters from last week. If we were at Selhurst, we're not. We're at Anfield. So 2-0, Liverpool. And I'm picking Coutinho and Matip off of a set piece. You know, Coutinho, his normal thing is shimmy and, and up to the right corner from open play. But Matip gets a set piece goal header in this one. He's and Miggs, Miggs pitches uh, no more than five key punches in the game, uh, in addition to bowling a, a, a strike for... Clean sheet, yeah. Look at that. All Big right. expectations. Another Told you I'd be positive. Another wow. clean sheet. Very 
God, back-to-back clean sheets aren't that's the last time that Liverpool did that. But uh, that's hey, a good season. I'll tell you that yeah, much. I'm, yeah, I'm all for it. Man. I'm all for it, Jeff. Hope hope it comes true. To Painter, what do you got? I, I think we're going to concede. I just. You know, Milner matched up against Sahad just does not fill me with any confidence. And then Benteke, we don't do well against big physical center forwards. So um, I think it's going to be a Liverpool win. I think we're going to concede a couple goals, but I, th- I think we get it done in the end 4-2. Ooh. I think uh, I think the goal scorers, uh, I think Origi gets back on the clean sh- uh, on the on the score sheet, and I think Sturge comes on. And gets a gets a double uh, along with Coutinho. Man, if we got a clean sheet, back to back clean sheets, that would be whew, that'd be intense. But I just I'm with you, Panner. I don't see it happening. Uh, and I do see us conceding a couple goals. Uh, you know, Benteke's shown to be good against us, even when he's back on Villa. Um, you know, he he can destroy us. Uh, so he lo- he loves scoring against Liverpool when he, he was does. at Villa. He just does. And um, so I'm gonna have to say three two Liverpool. Uh, and like I say every week, Matip is due for a goal, so I'll just keep saying it until it hopefully happens. So, <laughs> and then the, then when he scores, you're gonna be like, I told you. <laughs> oh, he should have had freaking two goals already by now this season. Like the guy should be scoring at least three, maybe four goals a season. And it's just what does he only have one right now in the Premier League? Is that it? Yep. Um, yep. And that was off of like a janky one, I think, too. Like the anyways. Um, well, he was white. He was wide open in the center. Yeah, no, that was a thunder. Wasn't that that thunderous header he had uh, that almost ripped the back of the goal apart? Was that was that kind of like the Colo one where he was, or like the soccer one in the final where he was just wide open, like you said, Jeff? And yeah, I, yeah, yeah, wide open, wide open, untouched. Yeah. yeah, no, no contention at all, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, that's one of got to start somewhere. He's got, he's got, he's got to score. So uh, I got a three-two um, victory to to Liverpool. So, gentlemen, where can we find you on Twitter? No, so you can find me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Hallett, two L's, two T's. I like it. Painter. You can find me on Twitter at Brian underscore Painter, and that's Brian with a Y. You guys can find us on Twitter at TalkOnFP. You can check out the website at Football Purists. You can find me on Twitter at Jay Vishney, and by any chance, any Chicago sports fans, I do a Chicago sports podcast, and you can find it on Twitter at The Windy City Way. Gentlemen, we've all gone for victories again. Hopefully it happens. Another three points would just oof, would mean a lot, especially with some of the, the matches that are coming up between the teams that are fighting for top four contention. So appreciate you getting on. As always, gents, talk on. Talk on, talk on. Talk on, boys.